So um, Kathy and I are going to be running a marriage class. It's going to be in uh, March, the four Saturdays in March, uh, the 5th, the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th. Um, it'll be here uh, in uh, the Commons from 9.30 to 11.30 each of those Saturdays. Um, we have a really short kind of fuse here, so uh, you can sign up today, you can sign up this next week, but next Sunday is like really a drop dead to uh, sign up for that class. Um, we've got a number of couples who've already made that commitment, and we're looking forward to working together with you. Um, if you're interested in it and want to know more information about it, literally right after service, Kathy and I will meet with anybody who would like more information just through those doors to the right in the commons. We're happy to just tell you more about the class, what we'll be looking at, and the materials we'll be using, and answer any questions that you might have. Um, so that's one. Uh, the last uh, announcement actually is just to remind you, if you're interested in coming to our annual meeting, it is next Saturday, this 26th at 9 a.m. right here. Um, you're welcome to come and just hear a recap of 2021. So um, I'm going to pray just before Richie comes up. So Lord, Lord, we come here for so many reasons. Um, just like Bill said, this is such an important part of our walk with you and our lives together. But Lord, right now, we want to hear your word. Uh, would you just use Richie to be your spokesperson, your mouthpiece today, to speak to our hearts, to speak to our minds, the truth of your word. Amen. 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 Well, good morning. Glad that you are here. Welcome to everyone online at home, and welcome to uh, Continuing Care Center, who uh, faithfully watches our service, I think, 2 p.m., Every Sunday over at the Continuing Care Center, so hello to all of you out there in uh, live stream land and Bluetooth land or whatever land they are in. Um, last week, I spent a little bit of time talking to those who were here and really encouraging you, affirming you that your being here makes a difference, right? Just, you know, we talk, we've been talking about shining as lights, we've been talking about holding forth the word of life, and I said, you know, the fact that you're here. Right now, as you sit here, you may not even, not even be aware of it, but the fact that if you drove, the fact that your car is sitting in the parking lot right now is making a difference for the kingdom because people are driving by and the lot is pretty filled and that signifies life. You know, there's some people who will drive by here and go, wow, wow, that's a lot of people there or wow. Maybe we should check that out. Or, you know, the, the, your car being, being in the lot right now is a testimony. You're holding forth the word of life. You're saying to the community, this matters. This matters. We got up. We got dressed. We got the kids dressed. We're here. And there's, you know, there's a lot full of people that prioritize Jesus this morning. Amen? And, and I wanted to uh, encourage you even more so because afterwards I said, you know, there's even the element where, where we're outside and we're fellowshipping with coffee and donuts and cheese and catching up after service. And people are still driving by and walking by and riding by on their bikes and they tend to look over every once in a while. And, and you never know what difference that makes, especially in light of current culture where people are still very isolated maybe scared, maybe, you know, just sort of alone. And, and you never know what impact you make, not necessarily me, but we make just being out there by virtue of being the community of believers out in public. Amen? And so I was talking uh, with Carrie 
last Sunday, uh, just kind of catching up, how you doing? And, and we've known Carrie and y'all for about two or three years now, and, and wonderful family, and they, we enjoyed time as families together. And uh, I wanted her to share with you, as an affirmation to us as a church family, uh, the impact of uh, fellowship after church. Okay, so come on up, Carrie. Good morning, church family. Um, yeah, so pretty much you could have imagined last Sunday as Richie preached that Yaro and I were doing this because he said, you asked the trick question. He said, when's the last time you witnessed? And he's like, ha-ha, trick question. You do it all the time. And then he talked about the parking lot. He said, I stand here and I see people going by all, all service. I see bikes, people walking, the cars. And Yaro and I are just like, ha, 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 ha. And then he talked about you guys out there after church. Well, three years ago, three and a half years ago, we moved to Ojai. And we had lived in France for 10 years, been at a church over there for a decade. Moving home, there was reverse culture shock. You know, it's like we come back, we don't really fit, you know, where we are anymore. New community for me especially. Yara grew up, you know, in the area. But we were kind of recovering from his job stress. He still had a few months of it going on here in California. And we just weren't finding a church. So I know we missed it. We were like kind of starving. But we would walk around on Sundays, not finding a church yet. And we would walk by this church. And we would go right past here, and we'd see you guys kind of smiling. I am sure that we saw Tyler out there, because there's like a big smiling guy, right? And so we would kind of look over and say, wow, they're like all chatting and social and stuff, because we're kind of hermits. And so we're like, wow, they're really kind of outgoing, and they all hang out. Should we try it? No, we're not ready for a church. And so this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we would walk by, and then one day we're finally like, should we like listen to a sermon or something like that? Because look at these people, they're always out there. And so we went home, and we tried a sermon, and we were just fed immediately. We're like, we got to try this. That is food. It is straight biblical teaching. We've been starving. We can't, we can't get by on fumes anymore. And they seem nice. And so, <laughs> and so we like kind of had to get our courage up and come the next week. And we walked in, and I'm not kidding. I think I met Nadine that day. We met Tyler. We met everybody because people would come up and just say, hi, we haven't seen you. Good morning. You know, glad you're here. And it was just, it was overwhelming. And it is like months of living on water. It was like, there's bread. There's like real food, you know? And so... We left that day after hearing the teaching, and we were just like, oh my gosh, I feel alive again. I feel like I'm on fire. And then we said, they, they really like what we saw. <laughs> you know, they really are those nice people out front, and it changed our lives. So I just want to say your witness with your cars and being out front was actually like a welcome mat to us when we really needed it. And you didn't know you were doing that to help a couple who had just moved and you know, needed your witness. So, thanks. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that great? Right? 
it's, it's just so wonderful to hear that. So thank you, Carrie and Yaron. It has been a joy uh, to get to know you. Carrie is involved in the women's ministry, making an impact there. She's spoken at a women's event and uh, solid believers. And, and who knew? Who knew? Sometimes we overcomplicate life and we overcomplicate church. And the joy of the last couple of weeks has been, hey, shine, hold forth. Well, how? Just be you. Honor Christ with your life, and, and you are a testimony. So thank you for that. And if you're here for the first time and we don't know, uh, and we don't know you, uh, welcome. Um, but yeah, I, I was just so blessed. And I literally said afterwards when I heard the story, I said, can you share that next week? And, uh, you know, that's the danger around you. You share something with me. And I was like, can you share that next week? So, so she did. And, and I was thinking about that in preparation. And, and last October, end of October, beginning of November, I shared with you really a, a heart, a, a passion that, that God put on my heart for the church for 2022 and moving forward was to come back to the Great Commission. You know, through the pandemic, we had sort of gone through the ups and downs, the lefts and rights of open, closed, patio, da, 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 da. And, and towards the end of last year, God had really put on my heart, you know what, it's, it's time to go. We got to get back to the Great Commission. We, we really just need to kind of continue to navigate appropriately, but really come back to what we're supposed to be about, right? And the Great Commission in Matthew 28 says this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And, and that really the command in there is go and make disciples, right? And, and, and through the pandemic, it, it was easy to become very circumstance-driven and waiting for the next mandate. And, and, and you know, you just sort of like become very almost oppressed, Came very heavy. And coming back to the Great Commission was very liberating. Amen? Like, what are we supposed to be about, regardless of circumstance? We're to be about making disciples, okay? And, and so we looked at that for, for a week or two. And then in the Philippians, there was a, a similar command, a similar admonition. It said in Philippians 1.27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, right? So Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he says, hey, you know what? Be united, work together, strive together, fight together for the gospel, right? Again, it's easy in the church to turn inward and become sort of almost selfish and self-centered and start nitpicking at everything. And I love this because the Great Commission in Philippians 1.27 says, hey, church, be united around making disciples. Be united around the gospel, right? Take your eyes off of you for a second and look to that world that as I'm sitting here and I see the shadows go by and the images go by, the world that still needs Jesus, right? And sometimes, again, over time, even without knowing it, you know, we have the responsibilities of life and ups and downs of finances and relationships and health and everything that happens. Sometimes as a church, we can... Very subtly, over time, frog in the kettle moment, lose sight of what we're supposed to be about. The Great Commission, making disciples, striving together for the good news to a lost and hurting world, right? And, and it's important, right? You've heard me say that, that one of the, the tendencies, I've been in ministry for 30 years, and one of the challenges of, of churches, even, even especially a church this size, is, is that tendency to want to turn inward, to get comfortable, you know, our, our story was we started in, in Cindy's uh, 
den, living room, 12 years ago. That We outgrew that. We were at the Wesleyan Church for several years on Saturday nights. Then we moved to Sunday mornings there. And so we were about, well, probably like 40 or 50, maybe 50-ish average by when this opportunity came up to move here. And I'll be honest with you, one of the challenges that I heard in our move, as much as we were celebrating our own facility and things that we could do here, one of the challenges that I heard was, but it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. It's going to be more people, maybe, hopefully, right? Careful what you ask for. Careful what you pray for, right? Oh, a new facility. We can reach the community. We can do things with youth and kids and, you know, all this grand vision for the Great Commission. And then party is like, oh, but I kind of like it. Right, you've heard me say, you know, us fifty, and that's nifty, right? And you're because we know each other, and it's it's just we're all into a routine, and and this we have to fight this tendency, you know. How many of how many of you, how many myself included, how many of us tend to by default go to comfort zone, right? Path of least resistance, and you just kind of like fall into routine, and you kind of you know, even in the church, we can fall into that. So we come here. And we really even have to work through breaking old wineskins and saying, okay, Lord, we believe this. you've provided this facility for your kingdom purposes. It's not about us. We just want to be about your business, right? And that's ongoing. It's an ongoing challenge. John MacArthur says this, when a church begins to see itself as an end in itself, it is a disaster. You're here to be trained to go and reach the world. We face a hostile world. We face a world that rejects God and rejects Christ, and it's time for us to stand up and fight that battle. Amen? But what happens oftentimes is when the flesh creeps into the church, we start battling each other. And the devil gets us all tied up in knots about what I don't like and what I don't care for, and it's too hot and it's too cold, and where are the donuts and the coffee, and right? And we, you know, someone's in my seat and all the stuff, right? And so we're here fighting amongst ourselves, complaining amongst ourselves. And we've completely, completely got sidetracked away from the mission, right? Ray Pritchard says this, We are to unitedly join hearts and hands using all our resources to spread the gospel by every means possible to every person possible. Amen? So, question for us as a church, when was the last time we or you prayed for this valley? Prayed for the lost souls in this valley. Prayed for an incredible movement of God to come through the Ojai Valley. Prayed for the lost, even in the Ventura, Santa Paula, right? When was the last time your heart broke for those that don't know Jesus? That if they were to die today, would spend eternity separated in a place called hell. Right? And yet, over time, it's so easy to go, oh, we're going to church. Oh, I like the church. And there's nothing wrong with liking a particular church unless the church becomes an idol. And it becomes our thing, and we're protecting it rather than the church going out and having a heart for the lost. Right? That's why even, even believers, Carrie and Yarrow, they came here and they were sort of, you know, as they say, what, you're on water, on fumes. So the church can minister to the church as well, right? Those that have maybe have wandered even through the pandemic. Some, one of the big things I've heard in, uh, pastorally across the nation was one of the things that happened during the pandemic was there was a falling away. 
from the church. So there's still ministry within the church to get people back connected to the community of believers in addition to the lost. We can never lose sight of that. We can never lose sight of that. And, and, and just the Great Commission, Carrie's story, really helped me to, to transition us moving forward into today's passage because the Apostle Paul kind of t- takes a step back and he says, okay, you're shining, you're holding fast. Now let me share my heart f- for you pastorally. Let me, let me just share what I see kind of a, a pastoral perspective. So we're going to kind of read Philippians 2, 14 and 18 through 18 to give us uh, context. It says this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. We're going to focus on the second half of uh, verse 16, and we'll move into 17 and 18. It says this in verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life. We looked at that last Sunday. It's right. Holding firmly, holding forth, right? So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. What he's saying here is that, you know what? I love you. He's been sort of the pastor, the founding pastor of the church in Philippi. And he's like, you know what? Hold fast to the word of life. Hold it firmly. Hold it forth so that when Jesus returns, when I stand before him at the judgment seat, I'm going to be so stoked on you guys. Right? When it says, I may be proud, that's not a negative boasting. It means rejoice. It means exulting. It's satisfaction of a job well done for the Lord as the Philippians continue to mature spiritually. He's like, you know what? Here's the deal, guys. Hold fast to the word of of life so that when I stand before the judgment seat, I'm just going to be so lit on your faith, on where you are spiritually, right? Life application commentary says this, Paul had been the first to bring the gospel to Philippi. The church existed because of his preaching. Paul's boasting was not prideful, as if he had built the church with his own hands. Instead, his boasting would be like that of a parent over a child who has done well. And, and I love this passage, right? So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. In, the, in the First Thessalonians, you kind of get this same sense. He goes, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. He's talking about the church that he ministered to. It's about you. It's not about us up here. We're not the superstars and trying to get, you know, some sort of like uh, success syndrome. And it's, it's about you guys, right? Third John, I love this. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I got to be honest with you, as, as one of the pastors here and one of the elders, I love that verse. I, I mean, even for us, it says, we have no greater joy than to hear that the people at the well are walking in the truth. Amen? See, that's what it's about here. Our joy. Why do we get up? Why do we do this day in and day out, year after year? is to see you grow up spiritually. That's that's our motive. That's our heart. That's our passion. With all the trials that come with this title, 
When I sit back and I think about people, you, because most of you sit where you sit. So it's funny, like if I'm driving or if I'm doing something and I'm praying for you guys, I just do this on the road. And I pray for you because most now some of you are sitting in different places, so you just mess me up. But that's okay. <laughs> but when I pray for you, you're here, and I celebrate. And I pray, and I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that they're involved. Thank you that they're serving. Thank you that, you know. And, and it's such a celebration. It's such a celebration. That's what Paul is saying. Hey, you know what? Hold fast to the word of life. So when then I stand before the Lord, I just celebrate you and you and you. You know, I started in, in youth ministry, and my family moved up here in 1999, and I worked at community doing junior high and high school ministry. And I got to be honest with you, one of the joys all these years later is right there, Katie. I've known Katie since she was, when we first met you were in junior high, right? Probably high school. And she's here. And to see her walking, holding fast to the word of life, raising her kids in our home with Dave. As a former youth pastor, that, that's like a cha-ching moment, <laughs> right? Because in youth ministries, they say, I don't celebrate that you have hundreds of kids coming weekly. Ask yourself, where are they going to be in five years with the Lord? That's the challenge, right? We can get all excited because we're getting numbers coming, but the true test of a ministry is where are they down the road. And it's humbling. It's humbling when you cast it in that light, right? And that's where we, even as elders here, cast the ministry here. We were here. We stay the course week in and week out, but we know we're here for the long term, right? A marriage class, everything we do here is for the long term. And so, you know, Katie, I celebrate you and and all the joys and everything we've been through and seeing you grow. and, And now you're raising your kids in the church. I'm like, yes, I did not minister over there in vain, <laughs> right? All the youth things that we did, all the beach and all the camping and all that, it was not in vain, you know? And, and so I celebrate that, and we celebrate you. And that's what Paul is saying here. And then he goes on to say this in Philippians 2. And actually, before I say it, let me, let, me, let me encourage you with this, because many of you serve faithfully. And we live in this uh, culture that's very uh, results-oriented, in the church, they call it even numbers-driven, right? And, and I've shared with you before the kind of the joke is, is when pastors get together at conferences and everything, they say, hey, how you doing? What are you doing? And inevitably, so how many people at your church? Right? Because we like, you know, that, that somehow numbers equals success, right? So I've shared with you before when people ask me, so how many people are at the well? I say, under a 1,000. Is that not true? Isn't there under a thousand people here? Right? And it's like, oh, and then they walk away. Like, yes, I am in the under a thousand category, right? But that's so weird because even in the church, we bring in this success syndrome, right? And you want to compare and you're looking for markers for God's blessing and God's. Here's the thing let me just encourage you because everyone here, I mean, we all serve in some capacity. We all witness. We're all faithful. Many of you in small groups, leading small groups, serving in many capacities around here. Really, the heart of it is faithfulness. Change success to faithfulness. Be faithful. 
just be faithful and try not to get hung up on numbers because you have no control. You have no control over who's going to come to your small group. I have no control over who's going to come on a Sunday. Like literally, you, you do not understand. I've shared this before. The fact that even one of you wants to come here or now be online or Triple C wants to watch it faithfully, that blows my mind. I give that completely to God because this is a volunteer thing. None of you have to be here unless you're a teenager and your parents made you come, but, right? but at the adult level. And so it's amazing. And so what I've learned, you know, uh, when we started in Cindy's living room and there was like 12, then it grew to 20 and 30. And all along, I hold it like this. Because if you flip it, and I've been to a church, I, I used to be on staff at a church, a very large church, mega church in, in Oceanside, and they were very corporate numbers driven. As a youth pastor, they gave me numbers quotas. We want this many kids here by quarter. And you can imagine the pressure that you're under to produce numbers. But that's the world that, that seeps into the church, right? Versus, we're called here to be faithful. Like you said, we're going to preach God's word, and we're going to trust the Holy Spirit that over time, God is going to bring who he's going to bring. Amen? And he's going to provide as only he can provide to keep the lights on and everything like that. And so what we have decided here as a leadership team is we're going to be faithful. That's all we can do is be faithful, good stewards of what God has given us, and leave those things that are out of our control out of our control. And in that, there's freedom. Amen? Okay, so if you're serving in some capacity and you're like, where is everyone and how come they're not coming? You don't, have, you don't know. You really don't. And you can get tied up in knots really quick if you go down what's called the success syndrome even in church. Okay, so, so focus on faithfulness rather than success as defined by attendance and you'll be much more happy and much more content and joyful. Okay? So in verse 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul continues. He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering... Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, it's kind of, you look at that and you're like, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and re What? What is he talking about? I got the, I got the shine as lights. I got the grumbling. I got the holding fast. But now he, now he went all like Old Testament on me, Right? Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. You guys, whoa, Paul. You know, that's one of those verses when I didn't know how to study the Bible. I'm just like, okay. And I just kept right on motoring right through that. Okay, good for you, Paul. And I just kept right on motoring through. But actually, this verse is so important. It's so important for us at the well moving into 2022 and beyond. Because when he says here, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering. Okay, so a drink offering, if you're familiar with the various offerings in the Old Testament, there was something called a drink offering. The Jews performed that, and even the, the pagan cultures had a drink offering. Okay, some called it out, call it a pouring out a libation. You might be familiar with that phrase, libation. And so basically what would happen is there would be a sacrifice. You can put up the, the photo, the little graphic. So you're familiar with animal sacrifices, right? So an animal would be sacrificed on the altar. And then a drink offering, which was usually wine, mostly wine, could be water or honey. 
they would pour it either on top of the burning animal or in front of it. And as soon as it hit it, because it was so hot, it would steam and it would rise. And that rising of the steam, the vapor, would symbolize the offering going up to the deity. Okay? So that would be the drink offering. So Paul says in verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. He's like, wait, okay. My life, Philippians, is like that drink offering being poured out on your faith. The word picture, go ahead and put up the the graphic again. So if, if the flames there are the animal being sacrificed, what Paul is saying, the imagery he's using is like, hey, Philippians, your faith, your sacrifice, your service, your spiritual maturity and faith, your support of my ministry, you going through persecution for Jesus, all of that is like the animal sacrifice. That's the big deal. That's the big part of the sacrifice. I'm the lesser part being poured on top of your faith. That's the imagery he's using. He says, you know what? I am so concerned. I am so passionate about your faith, you growing service and sacrifice that, you know what? All the trials and tribulations that I'm going through, being in prison and everything, I'm just a drink offering. What really matters is your faith. I'm just being poured out for you on top of you. I love that. It's, it, it's, it's such a, a living testimony of being a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Right? So Paul is in humility is saying, you know what? It's really not about me. The main part of this is about you and your faith. And how I've seen you grow in service and sacrifice. And God's just using me as a drink offering on top of that. But it's really about you. And that's the heart of a shepherd. That's the heart of of a pastor, right? And so he says, you know what? Don't be sad. Don't be bummed because I'm rejoicing. He has this incredible perspective like what really matters is eternity. And even though I'm going through these trials and tribulations, being poured out as a drink offering, you know what? I'm rejoicing. And I'm rejoicing because of what I've seen in you. And honestly, sometimes things that happen, you know, on this end of the podium and everything, sometimes I, I can really relate to that. The trials and tribulations that come with being a lead pastor and the culture and everything like that. And then I'll step back and I'll go, okay, Lord, wow, this is not fun right now. And then you know what gets me through many times? Thinking of you. Thinking of times we've served together and how I've seen you grow in your faith and serve together, the elders and people he's brought here. I step back and I am go, thank you, Lord. And all the ugh of ministry, that quick can get changed to celebration. And you go, okay, that's worth it. That's worth it, all right? Knowing people now as a church for 12 years, getting people to do memorials and walk people through their final times here and and knowing they're with Jesus and working through very difficult counseling situations and everything like that. And sometimes we have these moments, right? Someone said, someone once said when I was considering, you know, this call to ministry, uh, an older, wiser pastor in San Diego said, here's the deal. If you can do anything else on this planet, do that. 
because he knew. He knew from years of ministry what, what I was about to embark on. He said, you can do anything else on this planet but be a pastor. Go do that. And, and now, 30 years later, I'm like, God, say the same thing. If there's anything else you can do on this planet, go do that. Because it's challenging. And you have to step back and you have to say, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Or, you know, the joke with, with, with senior pastors is we always have the resignation letter on file ready for Monday morning, right? Every senior pastor has a resignation letter just waiting, right? Just change the date every once in a while. So, you know, because you're just like, wow, this is tough. And so you're like, what, what is, in, what, you know, that gut check. You're like, why am I doing this? And is this worth it? Who needs this? I can't believe this, you know, and all the stuff that comes with it. And Paul, this passage really spoke to me. He's like, step back. Because Paul, Paul's perspective was, you know what? I'm just a drink offering. It's about them. It's their faith. It's for the kingdom. And if I'm just a drink offering for the kingdom, praise God, I rejoice with that. Amen? Right? But here's the thing. Y'all are drink offerings in your own worlds too. Because see, if you're a small group leader, you're a drink offering for that small group. If you're a parent, in one sense, you're a drink offering for those kids. You're being poured out for their faith. You might be a drink offering for one other person. That drives you crazy. That you've been ministering to, and you're ministering, you're trying to disciple them, and you're, they're making poor choices, and you're like, oh, oh, and you're like, you're a drink offering. You're being poured out for their faith. Right? It changes everything suddenly when you go, you know what? It's, a, it's not about me and all my pity parties and everything that I feel like I'm getting cheated on, right? And it's not fair and, you know, all of that. And it's like, no. Apostle Paul says, you know what? If I'm a drink offering on your faith, I rejoice. Because an, think about it. It is an incredible privilege to be used by God in someone else's faith development. Amen? Think about the difference you make. Think about the difference you make in someone's life as they grow and mature in their faith. You're impacting generations. Right? So sometimes you have to sit back, and that's why, as I was really looking through the imagery of this, it really, you know, into 12 years, into uh, having founded the church and leading the church, sometimes I need verses like this, passages like this to, like, just kind of reset everything. Like, why are we doing this? Oh, wait, it's not about you and da-da-da. It's about the faith of the believers who call the well home. And you just pour it out as a drink offering. And we should rejoice, not complain about that. All right? Chris Mueller says this, Let's rejoice together. I have put my life on the altar and you've put your life on the altar as a living sacrifice in order to please God. So let's rejoice together in our joy as we serve him. Paul says to them, don't you be sorry for me. You rejoice. I'm sharing my joy with you. So now you, should, you share your joy with me. Amen? See, here's the thing. If there, was, there was this mutual thing happening. They were growing in their faith. He was a drink offering being poured out for the faith. It was both. And he says in the core, let's just Rejoice together. Amen? Amen. 
And so this is, this is sort of like, you know, I'm like, okay, I get this. Not only do we want to be great about the Great Commission, but here's the thing, guys. As we move forward into 2022 and however long the Lord has us here, let's do the Great Commission with joy. Yes, there's a lot happening on this planet as we speak. And many of you, you know, you stay up on the news and Russia, Ukraine, and everything that's going on there, you know, inflation, our own government and politics and everything like that, right? I kind of, I'll be honest with you, I made a little mistake this morning because I got here early. I finished up kind of early, and I shouldn't have done this, but it's just me. I'm like, let me check the news. And I kid you not about, I was doing really well, and then I think it was like 8.30 after our our lead meeting, I went to my office, and I was kind of done. I was just kind of, and I flipped on the news, you know, And immediately, I got riled up. Immediately, I got distracted, and I got bent on some things, and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me, right? And I was just consumed emotionally, mentally, and and literally, I went from my office and having had a great prep meeting to, like, bent on the world again. And in order to get out of that funk, I had to come back and read this passage. And God had to bring me back to what matters, eternity, eternal things. And, and I, had, I had to have a little come to Jesus talking to, and the Lord had to kind of me this morning. said, hey, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? People are going to be here at 10 o'clock. They're going to be tuning in. You need to get your head right. You cannot go down this path. And it just reminded me in my own life, in my ministry, and even the church as a whole, that there's so much happening on this planet that it's easy to go down the rabbit holes. Amen. And this passage this morning brings us back to the joy we should have in the Great Commission and in mutually serving and sacrificing together. Amen? This is, this is what matters. This is really what matters. Right? I love this in the uh, Life Application Commentary. It says, when you are totally committed to serving Christ, sacrificing to build the faith of others brings a joyous reward. How many of you have ever had just, just this great sense of fulfillment and joy when God has used you in, in the spiritual growth of someone else? Anyone? You're just like, dude, is there anything? That's so awesome, right? Someone learns to pray out loud, right? Betty, great example. Betty has been a tremendous source of joy for me. I've seen her not, not even really knowing her way around the Bible to, to like, okay, I'll pray and you know, and she'll come up here and pray, and she writes down her prayer, and then she tells me after she read her prayer on a Sunday morning, next time, I'm not writing it down. I'm just going to pray from my heart, you know? And I love that, and it brings such joy because we all get to be a part of that process, and it's transformation, and it's transformation. Ernie, I've seen you grow in 20 years I've known you, and, and some of you are just getting to know You know, Bobby, just getting to know you and your wife and seeing God work in your life. It's joy. And yet, if we're not careful, we let the things of the world and and the heaviness of it all rob our joy. And this, this has been a great passage to say, hey, you know what? Let's just come back to serving and sacrificing for Jesus together with joy. Amen? With joy. And it's still happening. I, I, I love this, that, that God is still speaking to people 
to sacrifice, serve, be drink offerings. You know, uh, Matt and Jody started a, a new men's group. Sunday morning's here. Like, that's a drink offering. They're getting up earlier than usual. They're getting here. They're being poured out. They're sacrificing to get here for the sake of others' men's faith, right? We have a, a new couple uh, serving in the nursery, right? That's a drink offering. <laughs> that's service and sacrifice. People in Kingdom Kids, that's a drink offering. You get here early, you're sacrificed. The people who come early, uh, Kathy and your team do a great job, right? Who, who appreciates the coffee and donuts and cheese, right? Well, she gets here. What time did you get here? You normally get here, like 8.30? 8.30, quarter to 9 every Sunday to prep coffee, juice, and eventually the donuts for all of you. That's service and sacrifice with joy. That's a drink offering for you. It's a blessing. So I look, about, I look at this and I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are still calling people to serve faithfully, to use their gifts, their talents, their resources, to be drink offerings for the faith of the whole community at the well. Amen. Yeah, and are there tough times? Yes. Is it inconvenient? Yes. Are there times that Kathy probably wakes up and go, oh my gosh, it's so early and I got to go and make coffee again, right? And, but she gets up and she comes as a drink offering being poured out for us who enjoy coffee and donuts afterwards. And now we know that her ministry, check this out, isn't this crazy? Her ministry Getting us to enjoy fellowship out there helped Carrie and Yarrow get here. <laughs> right? Think about it. Yeah, think about that. Right? So it wasn't just, oh, I got to get up early to go make coffee. The bigger picture was, I'm going to get up early to make coffee because that's a fellowship of believers around coffee. And that fellowship of believers became a lighthouse, became a testimony to two other believers who were not plugged in. Go figure. That's what I love about God's economy. He says, just be faithful, right? Because sometimes, oh, it's just making coffee. Well, Kathy, yeah, you should like get a Christmas card from them or something because that, <laughs> I mean, think about that, right? Did you know that you were two were connected? See, no, don't give her coffee. She's burnt down on coffee. But so Kathy in her hospitality ministry is now connected in a very deep and profound way to this couple who made this church their home two or three years ago. And many of you are blessed because of Carrie's ministry and women's ministry and yours. And who would have thought? I love that. That is the church alive. That is each part of the body doing what it's called to do for the edification of the whole body. Amen? Amen. With joy. So moving into 2022, we're going to do this with joy, and, and we're not going to get it perfect all the time, but we just got to get back to the joy, because it, there's just been this heavy, oppressive weight for like two plus years, and we just got to come back to the Great Commission, serving, sacrificing together with joy. Amen? Let's come back to that. And then, and then Paul, later, before he, he, he's getting more... Uh, you're really close to leaving planet Earth, to dying. He says the same thing in Second Timothy. He says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So again in verse 6, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Now he's talking in retrospect. That since his conversion experience on the road to Damascus, his whole life has just been a drink offering. And that's a wonderful, as I was reflecting on that and, and doing some studying, it's a wonderful challenge to us. Are you living your life as a believer as a drink offering for the kingdom? Are you willing? It's a heart issue. Is there a willingness? Have you made the choice to say, Father, use me as a drink offering for the kingdom of God. Pour me out where you need me, and I'm willing. I yield, I surrender, I submit to your will. I trust you because you are good all the time. Here I am. Use me as a drink offering for your kingdom purposes. Right? Question came up. Is, it's like, you know, we're actually, if you think about it, we're actually, in many ways, pouring our life out into something or someone. The question is, what is it? What is it? Could be your career. Could be your finances. What are you pouring your life out for as you sit here? Right? Nate Saint was the missionary pilot who flew Jim Elliott and three others on a mission trip to a remote tribe of natives in Ecuador, where all five of the missionaries ended up being killed by the tribe after they landed. Nate Saint was not as well known as Jim Elliott, but had a great heart for the Lord and his work as well. Before his death, he wrote these words. People who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they, too, are expending their lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they have wasted. You're pouring out your life. You're expending your life. The question is, for what? For what? It's just a, a, it's a, it's a good check. It's a really good check. Mark 8.36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What have you been pouring your life out for? Things of God? His kingdom? Your 401k? Your retirement? Relationships? Really, as you sit here, what are you pouring your life? You said, Lord, use me as a drink offering But truthfully, if you looked at how you use your time, your money, your resources, what would that reveal about your priorities as far as what you've been pouring yourself into, right? Those are the checks, right? Those don't lie. Your time, your money, your resources, those reveal priorities of your life, right? And so it's it's a check. Are we living for the short term? Are we pouring our life into, right, Mark 36, are we pouring our life into short-term gain and profit or is eternal? The things of eternity, the things that really matter, things of faith, right? And here's the thing. It's really important because this is where um, people can kind of get, uh, I don't know, thrown off a little bit. This does not mean, if you're going to pour your life out as a drink offering for the Lord, it does not mean that you're going to sell everything and become a pastor or a missionary tomorrow. 
That's not what that means at all. Because some people go, okay, yes, Lord, I want to be a drink offering. I'm selling everything and I'm going to Papua New Guinea. I'm going to, right, I'm, right or I got to be a pastor because pastors are, you guys are the ones that are really pouring yourself out as drink. No, what we just saw in context is you shine and your witness is 24-7, 365. And if you're doing it with the right heart, you know what you're doing? You're pouring yourself out as a drink offering. Amen? That's what it is. You can be a drink offering. You can be poured out anywhere if that's the purpose and motive of your heart, right? I love this. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do. Everyone say, whatever. All right. In retirement, in retirement, at pickleball, you can be a drink offering. There's people at pickleball who need Jesus. Amen? Right? Again, well, oh, no, that's not spiritual. Well, if someone comes to meet Jesus at the pickleball courts, I'd say that's pretty spiritual. Amen? See, again, we compartmentalize things. Oh, I got to be a drink offering. I got to be a pastor. I got to... No. You just got to be a Christian living a Christian life, right? Colossians 3, 23, 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, amen? Just serve the Lord Christ wherever you are with joy and faithfulness. Just do that, and you're a drink offering. You're a drink offering. Uh, many of you know Joseph, my, I don't know, is it my cousin? He's not really my cousin. He's like my nephew or something, or I don't know. But he's, he's led worship here before. It's weird. In the Filipino culture, you call everyone something. You never really know what the relationship is. My relative, you know Joseph, my relative. He, he led worship here. He's led worship here in the past. Uh, he was a, a, a deputy down in Orange County, and he got stationed for a while in the courthouses as a bailiff, right? You know what he did? He did a Bible study in the courthouse, in a courthouse on Wednesdays. Right? He used that opportunity, and he had non-believers coming. And they were going through books of the Bible in a courthouse during lunch. And I'm like, bro, that is so awesome. Right? People who would never go to church will come to his Bible study because it's at the courthouse, and it's convenient, and it works. He was being poured out as a drink offering, and he saw it. He's like, how can I be used for the kingdom in the courthouse, and that's how he was. And so that's where you get sort of motivated, you get re-energized when you go to work tomorrow, or you go home in your neighborhood, and you're like, okay, how's the Lord going to use me here? Because you're surrounded by people. If you made yourself available, you would be surprised how many people God can use in your life. If you just made yourself available. If you were being willing to be poured out as a drink offering, sacrifice, be inconvenienced, God will use you. He'll pour you out for their faith, for their faith, right? Verse 4 in Philippians 2 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So maybe one of the applications tonight, this afternoon, he's like, Lord, show me... Give me spiritual eyes into the people around me. What do they need spiritually? How can I encourage them? What do they need? Do they need a friend? Do they need someone? We get, it's so easy to get caught up in our own stuff, our own interests, our own bills, our own issues. 
And it says here, look not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So maybe we just start and we say, Lord, is there someone that you've literally been in my life, you've brought for weeks and months and years, and I've never seen them in the light of, how can I minister to them? How can I pray for them? Maybe it's just you start praying for your family and friends who don't know Jesus. Just start praying. Not, not sharing the gospel, just start praying. That's one of the best things you can do. <laughs> God puts some on your heart, just start praying and see what he does. See what he does, okay? I close with this uh, poem that uh, many of you may have heard at least one or two of the lines before. It's written by C.T. Studd. And I share this because it really helps us to take a step back and say, Lord, I choose to be a drink offering. I choose to pour my life out for your kingdom purposes. And maybe in this time of reflection, even through this poem, if you haven't been there and you've kind of turned inward or whatever, maybe this would be a good afternoon, a good day, just to kind of reframe it. Okay, so C.T. Studd says this. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, "'Twas worth it all. Only one life, t'will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee." Right, I love that. It's perspective. It's perspective. And in 2 Timothy, Paul says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Amen? Amen. That's a life that says, you know what? Yes, I made myself available to be poured out as a drink offering. I was faithful. And you know what he says there? It's really important. I have fought the good fight. He fought. He didn't win every fight. People left him, they persecuted him, they betrayed him, but he fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. Amen? Do you see? And so into 2022 and beyond here at the well, our heart, our passion is to fulfill the Great Commission, to be a part of the faith development and growth of others, coming to know Jesus, growing in their faith, and you know what? To do it all in joy, all in joy, and then... Hopefully, each of us, when the time comes for us to leave this planet, we're going to say the same thing. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
Thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul's encouragement. That there is joy in serving and sacrificing together for the faith. Yeah, it's tough and it's inconvenient and it's challenging and it's hurtful and it's discouraging and all of that comes with it. But to be poured out as a drink offering and to see the faith of others grow, for those to be saved and then for literal transformation to happen, Lord, that is a joyful thing and we rejoice. And I am so thankful for the many, many, many people over the years that I have been privileged to see grow in their faith. Those who are serving faithfully, giving faithfully, encouraging one another, leading small groups, participating in small groups, going on mission trips, serving here, making coffee, serving in the nursery, serving in Kingdom Kids, serving in youth ministry, the bridge. Lord, so many people have chosen to be poured out as drink offerings so that the well could be a place of faith where people come to know Jesus and come to grow to be more like Jesus. So thank you. Thank you for the many people who willingly make themselves available to you for the good of others. And yet, Father, we also know that in this life, it is so easy to get distracted, so easy to get um, thrown off course, even me this morning with the things of the news so easy to forget what really matters are the things of Christ. People coming to know Jesus for all eternity, people being saved, and then people growing in their faith, being transformed, things that really matter. So, Father, if, if we have been distracted and if we have been pouring our life into the things of the world, forgive us. Forgive us. Speak to our hearts with your plan and your purpose for us as a drink offering for your kingdom. We just choose at this point to make ourselves available to you, to be poured out as a drink offering for your kingdom, whatever that would look like. And then, Father, as we prepare for communion, and Randy, you can come on up. We'll, uh, we'll pray even now for those here and those listening at home who don't know Jesus, that they would take that first step in coming to faith. So um, Kathy and I are going to be running a marriage class. It's going to be in uh, March, the four Saturdays in March, uh, the 5th, the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th. Um, it'll be here uh, in uh, the commons from 9.30 to 11.30 each of those Saturdays. Um, we have a really short kind of fuse here, so uh, you can sign up today, you can sign up this next week, but next Sunday is like really a drop dead to uh, sign up for that class. Um, we've got a number of couples who've already made that commitment, and we're looking forward to working together with you. Um, if you're interested in it and want to know more information about it, literally right after service, Kathy and I will meet with anybody who would like more information just through those doors to the right in the commons. We're happy to just tell you more about the class, what we'll be looking at, and the materials we'll be using, and answer any questions that you might have. Um, so that's one. Uh, the last uh, announcement actually is just to remind you, if you're interested in coming to our annual meeting, it is next Saturday, the 26th at 9 a.m. right here. Um, you're welcome to come and just hear a recap of 2021. 